Hello and welcome, everybody, to another episode of Cardinal Cast. It's almost Thanksgiving, and I am grateful for a lot of things, but I am really grateful for this lady beside me. Her name is Amy Carnahan, and she is joining me today. We are going to talk about suicide prevention. Amy, thank you so much for coming. What are you grateful for this year? Oh, health and oh, happiness. Good one. And those beautiful babies. Yes. Okay, so this is going to be wrong. I am Lonnie Watson on the wrong side here. It says Lonnie Watson down there. Jerry Mack's not with us today. I have Amy Carnahan. Amy works for Western Community Health and resources. we're going Health Resources. We're going to talk a little bit about suicide prevention, um, which is very near and dear to my heart, and I know yours as well. Absolutely. You mind if I get vulnerable here? No. Okay. So I will just share. Um, I am obviously a school counselor, so I work with suicide prevention with students. Um, work with mental health. I know Amy does as well. I'm going to have her share a little bit of what she does at Western Community Health Resources. But I wanted to choose this topic, you guys, because this is very near and dear to my heart. I actually, I don't know, Amy, if I've ever told you this, I lost my aunt to suicide when I was a sophomore in college. So it's important to me. Um, I know the effects of that it can have on family members. Exactly. Um, I lost my mom when I was 28 and pregnant with my first child um to drug and alcohol overdose um which i'll never know if it was right on purpose or not and so this topic it's really important to me and mm -hmm. um i know you talk a lot about your story is that something right. that you're comfortable yeah. sharing um i'm also a suicide loss survivor my cousin kyle was 19 years old when he died by suicide almost four years ago and that changed my career path and I became very passionate about suicide prevention and advocacy and the postvention to support the families who are going through a loss like that. It, ch it changes your life. So it for, absolutely does. For anyone out there who has ever, um, uh, how, how do you say it? A, a, a suicide loss survivor. Suicide loss survivor. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess I didn't know that that was. Yeah, that's that, a term. That was what I was. We're loss survivors. Absolutely. For anyone who's ever been through it, anyone who um, has, has lost a family member before, it, it changes your life. And there's not a day that I don't think about it. Mm -hmm. um, those people that I've lost, um, I'm sure it's the same for you. Yeah, especially well. when you get towards the holidays, you know, because Absolutely. you remember those that you loved and that you've lost. It's a it can be a hard time of year. It can be a really hard time of year. And I don't know, my my personal experience with it is that nobody talks about it. Right. No, no, nobody, nobody knows what to say. And so we tend to say nothing. Mm -hmm. um, and so today we're going to talk about it. You guys, it might be uncomfortable for some people. Mm -hmm. It might, uh, it might be triggering for those of us who have been through, um, the loss of a family member, but uh, we have dedicated our lives to talking about mental health with peers, with students, with all of the things. So, so we're going to talk about it today. Um, and Amy is doing some amazing things in the community that I want to highlight. Mm, and we you. are trying to do some things at school as well together. So mm -hmm. um, I'm thankful for you in this Thanksgiving. And uh, would you just tell everyone, Western Community Health Resources, it's not all suicide prevention. No. Um, at WCHR, we're located in the old clinic building. And you can find everything from WIC to family planning services, our behavioral health side, which is the department I work in. We provide services for those who are striving to have mental wellness within their life. Um, so it's a case management support system. And we help young people or adults 
navigate and find those resources within our community, whether it be counseling, medication management, housing, um, food resources. Mm -hmm. Some of those basic needs that you have to have to survive um, and walking them through that. I always say, um, I'm not your service coordinator, I'm your advocate to Mm -hmm. help you because so many people walk through life and they're faced with difficult things and we help them get to that place of wellness which is so Absolutely. so amazing to watch and be a part of i'm trying to think of of the the students in my building that you serve range everywhere are you guys from homeless students mm-hmm. um at risk homeless students uh substance abuse um students who have reached out for help um mental health yeah just i mean the gamut of the even the the kiddos that i know that you've served mm-hmm. and how you've helped them um it ranges from everything like she said from food services to mental health services mm-hmm. it is grief an am- grief work it's an amazing program I'm I'm yeah. a really big fan of it um so I want to talk and everyone out there probably knows this about me already but I want to talk I want to rewind a year ago to the hundred women who care about shattering can we rewind yeah. and go there absolutely so Amy and I started talking about suicide prevention and she long before this um but it kind of was a unique opportunity because if you're not involved, if you are a, a woman in our community who's listening to this, if you're not involved, we have this really cool organization called 100 Women Who Care About Shadron. And in this organization, we, this is my favorite part about it, we only meet once a year. And time. Yeah, once a year and $100. And we get together and get presented some, go through some presentations of some ways to serve our community. And Amy came, you, Tell me how you came up with this. We, a year, it's been a little over a year. Yeah. A little, a little over, over a year, year ago, the 100 women who care about Shadron decided to donate their $10,000 to Amy Carnahan's suicide prevention um, cause. And so, but that kind of came out of the blue a little bit mm-hmm. to me being a bystander. How did you decide to present on that? Well, I absolutely see a need for suicide prevention and awareness within our communities. It's something we deal with probably every day Mm -hmm. or close to it um, when we're working in the behavioral health field. And there wasn't funding for it within our area. And I needed to be able to do that as part of my job. But to do that, we had to have funding for it because WCHR is a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. So I approached my manager at the time and said, can I write for this grant? And it so happened to be, I had to present like two weeks after Kane was born, my oh, youngest. Yes. You're, he was and just so little. He was, was I think so I got to hold him. <laughs> and um, she's like, well, I, I support you if you want to go for it. And so I kind of shared my family's story and just my passion for awareness. Um, and my big tagline was, you know, this is everybody's business. We, we all have to do something about this to save people. And it's really incredible getting those stories after people have taken the trainings or just heard radio installments Mm -hmm. and come in and said, hey, I need help. Or I took your class and I saved a life. I seen somebody last night in a cell phone store and they're like, I used my training and I helped save a life. And I'm like, yay, that's what it's for. Absolutely. So it's really taken off and it's been amazing. But that was all because of 100 Women Who Care. And I'm still able to offer the training because of that. 
and more training. I feel, I feel like we were on the front end of this brand new organization with hundred women who care about Shadron. Mm-hmm. And it has been such a catalyst because even as that money is spent, we're just talking more. I feel like even as public school employees, mm-hmm. as we're better trained. Like that $10,000, I feel personally, has been like invested in every single one of the people who have gone to one of your trainings and mm-hmm. it just will continue to produce. Right. You know? Well, it's only an hour and a half at most, the training for QPR. It's question, persuade, and refer. Okay. And um, since the grant, we were able to get all of the school personnel trained. Um, the college has been on board with getting their resident advisors all trained. I've now done trainings for police departments mm-hmm. and um, firehouses. So it's really spread and more and more people are talking about it, which is so exciting because we have to talk about it. As a community, if we want to keep our our people safe within our communities where we live and work and enjoy life, then we should talk about health in general, and that includes our mental health. Our mental health. And so this is kind of interesting. I don't know your thoughts on this, Amy. I was just talking to Mr. Mack about this this last week. Mm-hmm. I see, and just for parents out there and in any community members watching or other schools, I see elevated mental health needs around the holidays. I see an elevated mental health need in our students right before a big break. Mm-hmm. So right before Thanksgiving break, just so everyone knows, I, I see some just elevated needs. Um, and that's not a bad thing. That's, I think that's totally normal and totally good thing. I'll see it again, probably at spring break time, mm-hmm. uh, right before. And we're, we're in this time of year where it's getting darker outside. The right. days are getting shorter. There's less positive coping ability. Sometimes when you're stuck inside. inside, you know, for a person who's coping, like I'll just use mine, my positive coping would be to get outside probably. Mm-hmm. And, right. and sometimes it's, you're totally able to in the middle of the winter and sometimes you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I see elevated. Now I'm always interested. We talk about a student mental health crisis and sometimes I wonder, have these, are these needs heightened now or have they always been there? And is this generation just more willing to share with us? It's well, interesting, right? It is an interesting thing to think about. And if we look at rates of mental health decline within yeah. Nebraska, that is increasing um, s- stats since 2007. I think it says in some of the latest things that I have that, yeah, f- since 2017, frequent mental health distress has gone up 11%. Man, it's gone up 11%. Right. Yeah. So I think it could be a combination of more people are aware and talking mm-hmm. about it. But we're also a disconnected society. We rely okay. so heavily on social media and all these other things. And you take students in particular, when they're used to having that routine every day, mm-hmm. you thrive on that. And then for going into a break, their routine is all shot. You right. know, it's it's out the window. Their human connection sometimes because as families, you know, you get it. We have to work. We have mm-hmm. to do all these things. Sometimes parents aren't able to stay with, you know, their kids during these breaks. And so there's some isolation that's hard mm-hmm. and you're not seeing your friends as much. So absolutely, it's a combination of many things. I don't think it's ever one. No. And when I asked students, I just asked a whole crew. They were in my, my room at lunch. Yeah. I get a whole crew sometimes after they eat because we get a pretty long lunch. I just come and hang out. And I asked them, I said, do you feel like it's, 
it's always been there and you're more willing to express it. And they said they feel like social media puts a lot of pressure on them. The image. Mm-hmm. Um, right. They, they feel a lot like that. Standardized testing is different than it probably has ever more pressure than it's ever been. So, right. So I recognize that there's added pressures in this generation, but I also recognize that a student who's willing to talk to us about mental health, it, let's say it goes as far as suicidal ideation. That's an opportunity right there mm-hmm. to help. Right. Absolutely. And I'm just not sure. I'm just not convinced that every past generation was willing to talk about the Mm -hmm. things that our kids are now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because, you know, there's a lot less people who are hitting kids with belts these days than ever before. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there's less fear of adults. And Mm -hmm. so they're willing to share. And I know you're the same way as me. I I wanted to bring it up because I think you and I both think that, you know, this is a hard thing we're going through a hard season of life but what an opportunity for us to make a huge impact and like you say save a life or better a life whatever it ends up being well and just giving them the tools to have that resiliency piece Mm -hmm. because a lot of times you think about that if you're not taught that how do you know resiliency because we all go through hard things Mm -hmm. you know we all have a story and learning how to weave that story into your life and use it to make you better versus bitter Mm -hmm. is huge because you always have that choice. And I, I always encourage them, you know, just because this happened in your life doesn't mean it's bad. One day, you know, your story can be somebody else's survival guide. Absolutely. I love that. It drives you to have a passion in life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's awful that Kyle died. It's absolutely awful. Mm -hmm. But like you said, with your aunt and, your losses, it changes your life mm-hmm. and it makes you that much more passionate about why you want to make a difference in the people within your life. Because it's not just students, you know, it's mm-hmm. how you take care of your own health and you show that to your own children. And, you know, having those conversations are big. It's so important. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I, I absolutely love it. And I think there's a reason we're both in this field. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it has a lot to do with that. Well, Will there be more opportunities? We talked about question, uh, QPR. Right. Um, question, persuade, refer. Were the, will there be more opportunities for community members to... That's the one that's just an hour and a half, right? Right. And that's the one just for everyone out there. All Shattern Public Schools staff, I believe, has mm-hmm. completed that now, which is amazing. Um, so you've been a busy girl. Yeah. <laughs> given these trainings. Right. And I know you've done a bunch in the community. Can you tell us just specifically more about QPR and opportunities if anyone's interested? Um, we have not set the next date for a community-wide QPR. We absolutely will. Um, Shattern Public Middle School. You just had one, right? Yeah, Yeah. just last Tuesday, and that went really well. About 27 people attended that. Um, And it was really cool to see students being brought in. Mm -hmm. Um, If they're younger than 14, I do ask that a parent comes with them, just because it could prompts some good conversation and it's good to know mm-hmm. what your young person is being taught. And then it, it does, it gives you that segue to talk to them about it. And also, you know, are your friends talking about this? What's going Absolutely. on? Because they are, they're going to talk to their peers mm-hmm. rather than adults sometimes. And so giving that opportunity to say, Hey, if you're being put in the spot where you're asked to be somebody's secret keeper with something this big, let's talk about it. Um, but, Absolutely, we need to get another one scheduled. I know at CSC we have another one scheduled for their new RAs coming in, but we frequently do them. And right now I think I've trained 630. 
30 some people. Wow. As gatekeepers within our area. And that's just right here in the panhandle. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty, it's amazing because QPR is evidence-based. It's a best practice tool Mm -hmm. and it gives anybody the signs to how to recognize when somebody's in crisis or maybe going into a crisis and how to talk to them about it. And I want to make sure everyone understands too, when you are QPR trained, um, or any suicide prevention trained, we're not asking you to to be the counselor. We're not, not asking you to do the intervention. We are not even asking you to, um, you know, solve a problem. Basically, it is a good training for you to get that person the help they need. I, I like right. to call it the warm handoff. Dana right. taught me that term. Mm-hmm. It, it is really asking the right questions, right. figuring out where that person is at, and then getting them to the right person and referring for the right help so that that boulder is not on your back right to to be the sole um keeper for the person struggling right well being aware of so many of the signs and the situational clues and the risk factors that is huge and that's what you know as a loss survivor you Mm -hmm. sit there and you you question everything after Mm -hmm. once you're put in that category and i always tell my people who i'm training i do this because we did not know what those signs were mm-hmm. and we can't go back now, but if you are aware of them, you can really make a difference. And sometimes that's all it takes because you can have a parent who's, Hey, I'm noticing these little things. And then they take the class and suddenly they're like, Oh, Absolutely. I need to talk and ask these questions. And then they're able to find where they can help their young person. That's huge. Absolutely. So, so it's knowing those risk factors and those signs and because it's never one thing, right? It's never a face, age, race, gender. It's, it can literally be anybody. And that's what I learned once it hit our family. Cause never in a million years would I have thought that Kyle would have died by suicide. Right. I mean, he was popular and you know, he knew what he wanted to do. And so it's very surprising. And right now with our youth in Nebraska, Suicide is the number one cause of death for ages 10 to 14. It's terrifying. It is. Yeah, absolutely. Because they're so young. And I feel like we are on the forefront of taking care of our kids here in Chattern. Right. I don't know how you feel about, but I absolutely. I am getting phone calls. I'm getting emails from other schools, other communities being like, we see you. We see the efforts you're making and mm-hmm. we hear how well you're taking care of kiddos. Let us know what you're doing. And I'm like, oh, her name's Amy Carnahan. I'm going to oh. bring her on my podcast. <laughs> well, it's more than just me, but it's neat that we have this service Um through region one, we have, you know, Mm -hmm. the YTS and then there's the aware grant. And, um, there's many of us who are service coordinators who all collaborate to help our young people Mm -hmm. within even our area. And it's, it's such a cool opportunity to Mm -hmm. make a difference and to empower these young people with the skills that they need and, you know, let them go and spread their wings and be successful adults within the real world. Cause it's tough. It's tough. And we have to remember too, just the brain science behind being an adolescent, like that age, Mm -hmm. their emotional brain is fully developed, you guys. And if you have a teenager, you see that they go, um, I mean, love, they're loving harder. They're, you know, feeling lower when, when they get sad, lows get Mm -hmm. low, but we have to remember the science behind it. The, the, 
part of the brain that controls emotion is completely fully developed. So a 14-year-old, a 13-year-old can feel emotions as heavy as any of us can. But what they don't have is the frontal lobe completely developed yet. And they know that. We talk about it all the time. That's why it's such an important age to try to stay away from drugs and alcohol because Mm -hmm. of that frontal lobe development. And that's where the reason and rational choices come in. And most of our kids are... are, um, They've just been conditioned and they're so well adapted to make the good choices. But we right. have to remember when we're feeling, we have adolescents feeling heavy emotions. It's it's even more important to get them the help they need. Just At that because, time. Yeah, because we know the frontal lobe's not fully mm-hmm. developed yet. There's still brain development going on that could right. make an impulsive choice. Exactly. And right. that's, that's what it comes down to. It's the impulsive choice. And if you can notice and recognize those warning signs and all those clues beforehand Mm -hmm. um just by making yourself aware you know an hour and a half training is that's free right now is nothing compared to a life absolutely you know and it it starts the conversations because it makes you more comfortable if you take your youth with you you are going to be able to talk to them Mm -hmm. about that kind of stuff and like even in our family, we didn't talk about mental health at all yeah. until Kyle died. And then I kind of hit this field running and we we do have those conversations mm-hmm. now. And it's changed the way we talk to each other. And, you know, it's not just a basic, how are you doing? Like, no, really, are you okay? And what's going on? Yeah. So that's it's interesting how it changes your perception and your willingness to want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And QPR does a good job of helping reduce the stigma of what you might think the ideal person is for who would have a mental health problem because we all have a brain. We all have mental health. We all have a brain. Everybody does. I wonder if my brain, if I have a brain most days, um, Ever since I had my second child, I think I they sucked. Mom brain. I think it, they sucked it, really it out does. of me. It, yeah. <laughs> so here's another question, and I'm like getting off on all these tangents, but um, what what do you say, Amy, to those, and I'm not always good about um, how to talk to this about um, the generation that said we can't talk about it because talking about it triggers more of it happening. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Or like copycat behavior. If we start talking about it, kids are going to think about it. We should talk about it less. You know that. Right. That's out there still, right? Right. And that's an absolute myth. Okay. Um, It's kind of like the old school mentality about, you know, sex ed. Right. (laughs) You know, if we're going to talk about it, they're going to do it. With young people or anybody, when you're asking them directly about suicide, Um, One, it actually lowers their anxiety and it reduces their risk of an impulsive act. Interesting. Because you're actually opening yourself up to share in that emotional pain with that person. And so it's kind of like taking that the weight of their backpack and giving a little bit to you. And you've recognized that Mm -hmm. person to person. And it's really neat to see them kind of, oh, you know, somebody actually wants to really know. Mm -hmm. Um. But that is absolutely a myth. And people who are in that suicidal mindset, they're either suicidal or they're not. Mm -hmm. And so it's usually a very black and white thing. They're either thinking of suicide or they're not, period. Mm -hmm. And I always say in my trainings, it's it's okay to be uncomfortable. You're going to be uncomfortable. It's tough to ask somebody, especially who you care about, Mm -hmm. if they're okay. Um, But at the same time, 
even if you're wrong, you're still showing how much you care by saying, you know, I care enough about you that, you know, I've, I've taken this class. I'm kind of concerned. Right. Are you suicidal? I'm going to ask. And, yeah. Right. And even if they're like, no, why would you think that? I care so much about you. I've just seen these things happening. And, you know, some people might be thinking that when they're in that situation. So I just want to make sure because I love you. I mm -hmm. care about you. You matter to me. Mm -hmm. Either way, that still conveys that you're there and you care about them on such a, a level that their life's important. And yeah, everybody right. needs to know that they're important and that they matter to somebody. Like I'm willing to ask you really uncomfortable questions right now right. because because I care because I care. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm on the I'm on the same board there. Um, I I don't think I think I think the more information we can know about our kids, the more information mm -hmm. kids you can know about each other, the right. more information you can know about us. I'm not saying we're all the keepers of each other, but but the more information, the better. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just going to throw a little plug out there to any parents listening. We are getting into a mental health screener this year. Um, we are screening all of our children with your permission. And I know a lot of parents have opted out of that already, especially, I'm especially noticing it at the high school level, the the amount of parents and maybe even more at middle school that are opting out of that um, mental health screener. And I am just under the belief that the more we know about our kids, the better. Right. Um, I am not under the belief that when we talk and I just have experience working mm -hmm. with kids to, to I say, prove that. I don't have the stats like Amy has, but that when we talk about hard things with kids, it tends to bring us closer mm -hmm. and make them more willing to tell you more hard things or um, talk to other students. An example even this week would be um, we had a, a parent concern for a student and I got to have the best talk with that student, like a mm -hmm. whole class block. His teacher's probably so mad at me. Mm -hmm. And then that student then later brought me another student who now I have a better relationship with. Like we are mm -hmm. just taking care of each other in our building. Exactly. I love it. And wrapping that care and safety net around people. So kids are comfortable talking to adults mm -hmm. or even their fellow peers. And what I love is that fellow peers are now not being afraid to come forward and say, Hey, I'm concerned about so-and-so. This is what they've said. And that is incredible mm -hmm. because, you know, you think of, you look at other communities where you take suicide loss within a small community and the ripple effect that that causes. It does. And it is, it can turn into a real quick epidemic with a suicide contagion where there's several mm -hmm. following and those vulnerable youth within the community or anybody, mm -hmm. um, they, they have different thought processes when it comes to suicide, when they're unwell. Mm -hmm. And so you would, we would never want that here. Right. And sadly, statistically, I mean, Dawes County, we now rank, um, I think we're ranking 11th out of 93 counties. We gotta, we and gotta even put in that, the work. It keeps, it keeps going up. We see actually higher rates of suicide deaths in the panhandle of Nebraska than the other half of the state. Mm -hmm. um, but we don't want to get to a place where we have, we don't want to see suicide happen in our communities no. because it is, it's preventable. It's a preventable kind of death and noticing those with our noticing skills and being more educated is key it I really is it. remind me do you remember the man and he's super famous who came and spoke at csc last year um 
he actually, I can't think of his name. It's Kevin like, Hines. Yes. Kevin Hines yeah. spoke at CSC last year. And if you ever get a chance to just Google his story. Oh, he's incredible. I've met him several times. It's phenomenal. Like, he's it's, amazing. He's an amazing speaker. It's a phenomenal story. He talks to kids. He talks to adults. Mm-hmm. Um, we got an opportunity to go see him. And he talks about that day that he actually jumped off the Golden Gate mm-hmm. Bridge. And, yeah, I share that a lot in my training. And survived. He talks about he just wanted one person to ask him if he was okay. Like as he was walking and, you know, he just wanted right. one person just right. to not ask him if he's suicidal, just ask if he was okay that day. Right. He told himself he wouldn't jump. Mm-hmm. Um, and as he walked and walked and walked and cried and cried and cried, nobody asked because right. they were, they were nervous. They didn't know him. Right. They didn't, you know, it is, if you get a chance to Google that, it actually is, um, it's a miracle story. It, mm-hmm. it is uplifting. It will pump you up. It will. Yeah. It'll make you a better person. Right. Kevin Hines, is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. Kevin, Kevin Hines. Hines. Um, okay. So you guys, QPR, so worth it. Here's the other, this one's more intensive training, but I am obsessed with mental health first aid, Amy. Mm-hmm. So we actually were both lined up to go get the train, the trainer training. Right. And I had to bail on it. Um, but Amy and Dana and Terry are all three. We've got three certified facilitators and trainers in our community. And will you just talk? I think mental health first aid. I did the training just as a participant. Mm-hmm. It was a long day. It's a day training. Yeah. But um, I thought that was phenomenal as well. It's not suicide prevention necessarily focused. But right. I mean, it wraps it around. It wraps it around. Right. It's part of mental health. Um, so youth mental health first aid is an eight hour course Okay, and it is, it's, it's a long day, but it's not, it doesn't seem like a long day. We break it up into fun activities and learn about different types of yes. mental health diagnoses, how to, again, it's all about those noticing skills as a mental health first aider. It's being able to recognize when someone's in need, how to see that coming. And again, that warm handoff. I don't have to solve it all for you. Right. That's not my role. That's not my job. I don't have that degree. <laughs> so, and it shows you your resources within the community, where you can go, who who can help facilitate that wraparound service to make our youth safer and healthier. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does, it, it knocks down so much of that stigma because it really brings it home how common mental health stuff is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a bad thing because we all have a brain and statistically speaking, everybody will have at least one or more mental health diagnoses throughout their life. Mm-hmm. So why aren't we talking about this? Why aren't right. we asking our young people, you know, are you slamming the door and having a meltdown over this? Because, you know, what else happened today? Tell me more about that. Um, because usually it's it's more than just one thing. I mean, mm-hmm. you see it all the time. You see behaviors that they're lashing out in class but then you get to know that young person Mm -hmm. and you hear their story and you're like oh no wonder you're struggling Mm -hmm. behaviors I mean for for anyone who is working in education out there and and not I've believed for a really long time that behaviors in the classroom or at school are just a problem that's going unsolved right and Mm -hmm. it could be a problem at home it could be a problem with learning it could be um, a lot of different things but there's something Yep. There's what's, what's really going on is the question. Well, and you have to be willing to ask that. Uh Uh-huh. You have to. Um, so last thing I want to, so we've got QPR, Mm -hmm. shorter training, 
Um, we call gatekeepers when they come mm-hmm. out of that training. Right. We're going to offer some more of that this year. Mental health first aid. I know we have a December um, date on the calendar, mm-hmm. right? I think I, I should never say, say I know. December 2nd. You can find that info too. I think Terry mm-hmm. posted it on local events on Shadrad. Yep. Um, the QPRs, whenever we get set dates and times, mm-hmm. we'll blast that out. If you guys want to host one at the high school in the commons, we'll, we'll make it work. You bet. So. And if anybody anybody is interested um, in QPR, since we don't have a date set, set up, you can just email me at lonnie.watson at shatteredschools.net, and I'll get to Amy and Western Community Health Resources and, and arrange that. Um, mental health first aid is on the schedule. I know I've pumped out those dates on the Cardinal Counseling Five Bullet Fridays. And so if you go to check those, they're on the Facebook page. They are on... Um, they are on the, in the emails. So right. and make if sure. there's more interest, we'll absolutely do more trainings. We just need to have that feedback because mm-hmm. we're willing to facilitate to help our young people and our community in general. It's good stuff. The last thing, Amy, I want you just to touch on briefly because I I feel like um, especially when I lost my mom um, because of mm-hmm. the time in my life. I was pregnant with Reese. Right. Um, I want what about this loss group? I'm very interested in it and I know very little about it. So mm-hmm. I know you serve on, on the team. Right. So loss is local outreach to suicide survivors. And we went live last year and loss teams have been all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Nebraska for over 10 years, what's really cool about loss teams is you are, on a team with fellow survivors. So you have to be a suicide loss survivor to be on the team. And you go through a process where you're interviewed and make sure you're emotionally in the place to offer that support. Good. Yeah. So when I, and this is fully volunteer, I volunteer my time for that. And when we go on a call, we are called by the initiator is Vance. Mm -hmm. So when he determines that it was a suicide loss, we will get the call out and we go to the family and it's not, I'm Amy with WCHR. It's my name is Amy. I'm a suicide loss survivor. Mm -hmm. And we just connect with that family Mm -hmm. and we wrap around by giving them, you know, books and resources and how to talk to young kids about it and how to take care of yourself versus, you know, when we lost Kyle, we didn't get that call out because Mm of, um, how his death happened so we didn't get that opportunity. Mm-hmm. But what's really neat about lost teams is they've found that on average, suicide loss survivors um, will seek help after 4.5 years without a loss call out. Wow. Now, families that get a loss call out, they are seeking help for themselves and fellow family members within 35 days. Mm-hmm. And that is huge. That's huge. You have to address that kind of loss. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to talk about it and to find people who are willing to talk about mm-hmm. it is hard. Yep. It's such an isolating loss. And as family members, when you have a suicide loss in your family, your risk is automatically heightened. Absolutely. And so providing that initial support of you're not alone, here are your resources mm-hmm. within the community. You know, every counselor is listed just knowing where to go mm-hmm. and that we're here, we're here to support you if you need anything is so huge. I, that's amazing. That turnaround's amazing. Four years to like cool? 30 days. That's 4.5 years. Yeah. That's insane. 35 days. Well, and it just, I think so many of us have walked through really hard grief and very few of us talk about it. And right. it reminds me of the quote about 
uh, mental health is a lot like being on an airplane, right? When mm-hmm. they say who you have to put on your oxygen mask your before first. we help our kids too. Um, I want to make sure this message is heard not only for our students, but for anybody in our community. Mm-hmm. And that's why these trainings are for everybody. Right. We don't just focus them on students because we know we have to have our oxygen masks on first mm-hmm. to be of service to anybody. Well, and it's just empowering any way to, to even take something like a QPR and because I share so much of my story, mm-hmm. which is the most impactful thing I've gotten from feedback is you sharing your story helped me realize mm-hmm. this, this, and this. But how many lost survivors there really are in our community right. who have not talked about their loss before mm-hmm. or never had a chance to learn about what somebody's brain is literally functioning at mm-hmm. when they're in a suicidal mindset so they can understand it better. Yep. And it does. It helps with your grief. And it's shown as people who are on the team that it's such a healing feel good give back because Mm -hmm. it does it helps you heal and you know doing this work is my passion but it's my passion because it's it's so close to my heart like Mm -hmm. it is yours absolutely and that it's a very beautiful thing to you know wrap that support around a family Mm -hmm. you know right away and say if you have any questions you call and it's it's awesome. I I just so appreciate what you're doing, Amy. I think, um, I mean, I don't think I would have been able to be as vulnerable and even tell my story to like who knows how many people are going to listen to this <laughs> podcast that might not know that about me or about you. Right. Um, being able to bring Dana into our schools and have oh. an actual licensed mental health provider for some feedback yeah. and how we've been able to work as a team to support mm-hmm. kiddos. And I'm even noticing from our parents and community who are listening to this, I have parents call me and say, Hey, Lonnie, I know you don't know me very well, but I feel like I know you because you're, I listen to you every Tuesday at noon or I watch, will you check on my kid? And I'm like, yes, I will check on your kid. I will check on everyone's kid. And, but just even our willingness to be vulnerable with each other Mm -hmm. and say, Hey, I'm going to reach out today because I have a concern and it might not be a big deal. It might just be a bad quiz grade. That's getting a student down, but the ability to even check on those kids when Mm -hmm. it's early, um, or even the adults in our community. So if you're out there, if you're listening, if, um, if you've gone through anything like we have and you ever need somebody to talk to about it, I mean, yeah. Amy, your your story has o- opened me up to talk about it more. You think, I'm right. a counselor. I should be able to talk about my own feelings. Oh, no, no, no. It doesn't work like that <laughs> all the time. I could talk about students and their feelings. but right. So I appreciate you personally and professionally. Um, people can email me if you're on the school. You probably know my e- email address. Um, can they email you directly? Yeah. Okay. Amy.Carnahan at WCHR.net. Or call our office, or my direct line is 308-747-2404. Call with questions or Mm -hmm. anything. Anything you got ideas. We love to help. That's, you know, it's hard work. We do it for a reason. We're honored to work with your young people. Uh, We appreciate you guys joining us. I have so many things I could talk about today with this. Now I can get into the whole AWARE grant. Well, we might come back with Dana and talk a little bit about um, what we're doing in schools Uh, with this new screener, with the AWARE grant, how we are like 
on the cutting edge. I think only mm-hmm. a few Nebraska schools have a school mental health provider within their mm-hmm. building. And not only is she providing our students direct services and therapy, but she's she's providing staff who may have been really uncomfortable to talk about this right. because their families didn't the opportunity to learn and grow and talk to students and be gatekeepers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, Amy, thank you for joining thank me. Thank you for having me. No Jerry Mack. We had the the host names. I'm going to click it again here. Facebook Live, you can't see us here. No Jerry Mack. I'm Lonnie Watson, high school counselor with Amy Carnahan. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. We will see you next week. And everyone have a great Thanksgiving. Eat all the turkey and the food. What's your pie. favorite food? Pie. Eat the pie. Pumpkin pie. All right.